Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn to Exodus chapter 17? When we pause this series, this series in the book of Exodus um, for the holidays, the people of Israel were in the wilderness of sin, which uh, I don't know if you remember or not, the wilderness of sin lay between Elam, which is the, um, uh, the place where the oasis, where there were 12 springs of water in Sinai. Sinai is where they would receive the law, which we're going to talk about in just a few weeks. Um, but now they are on their way through the wilderness of sin from Eli to, uh, from Elam to Sinai. And it's difficult for us uh, to track with, with uh, accuracy or with at least with certainty the route that the Hebrews took uh, to Sinai because the exact place names that are mentioned have been lost, they've been forgotten, or they've been changed uh, perhaps. And, and so we, we don't know the exact route that they, they, they took, but we can imagine, I want you to think about this this morning, we can imagine uh, that uh, the number of Hebrews as they traveled through the wilderness of sin, that it stretched out for many, many miles, moving a multitude of people uh, that probably exceeded Two million people, at least two million, maybe two hundred, or maybe two point five million, maybe as much as three million people. How many knows that would have been a, an enormous logistical task, to move that many people through the wilderness, which is essentially um, a desert place. Do you remember how easy it was uh, when you and uh, if you're married, how easy it was? Well, before you got married, do you remember how easy it was for you to take a trip? I mean, all you had to do was just throw a few things in a bag and jump in the car and just go, right? I mean, it was no problem uh, at all. And then even after you uh, got married, you married, remember how easy it was for you and your wife to just go out to eat dinner? All you had to do was just hop in the car, pick a restaurant, pull up and eat, and then, and then go back home. How I many of that all began to change when you had children, right, parents? All of that change. The calculation begins to change, right? You have kids. You gotta, you gotta get diaper bags. You gotta pull the diaper bags. Uh, you gotta make sure you got bottles. You gotta have the car seat, and then you gotta put the stroller in the car. And uh, then when you go, um, you know they're arguing on the way. You know where do you want to go? I want to go to McDonald's. I want to go to Chick Fil A. And so it's, uh, it complicates things. Um, and if you have more than two kids, then eventually you have to make the decision, right? You got to get a minivan. And uh, when you're on a trip with that many kids, you got to take multiple potty breaks. Inevitably, you stop and you go down the road, and then another one says, I got to go to the bathroom. So, well, we're just that. So, it com- I'm just saying the more people that you have to plan for, the more complicated the plan becomes, right? Um, so, imagine uh, taking 2.5 million people through uh, the desert. I mean, it's one thing for you to take your family of five to across town for dinner uh, after, after service this uh, morning, but imagine taking three million people across the desert um, in, in a desert place. Moving that many people would have been a formidable job, not to mention feeding that many people and making sure that there was plenty of water for, for everyone. So in 
Exodus chapter 16, we read that while the people of Israel were in the wilderness of sin, God began to provide for them. Remember, a daily ration that provided for their food every day. He rained, they called it manna. He rained manna from heaven, and so they had a daily provision of food. And then in, in Exodus chapter 17, what happens is they set out uh, to go to Rephidim on their way to Sinai. So I want you to read with me, if you would, Exodus chapter 17, beginning in verse number one. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and they camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. And therefore, the people quarreled with Moses, and they said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord's? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses, and they said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? All, they are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and taking your hand the staff with which you uh, struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And so Moses, and so, and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this your word, we ask that you speak to us this morning from it. Uh, God, I pray that you would point us this morning to Jesus Christ. Minister, Lord, to each person. Anoint me, God, that I can preach with boldness, with uh, clarity, uh, with conviction. And Father, anoint each one of us. Give us ears to hear, Lord, what your spirit is saying to us this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Now, again, imagine for, for just a moment uh, 2.5 million people moving from point A to point B. Um, if you imagine that, then, then you would understand that this could not be accomplished without some. I mean, it, was a huge, it was a massive amount uh, of people. And so they're moving from point A to point B, then you understand that that would not be accomplished while without some arriving at point B while others are probably still where? At point A, right? Because <laughs> it's just a massive amount of people. So there'll be some that were arriving at point B while others still remained at point A, and then there will be many more in, in between those two points. And verse 1 gives us a clue regarding this when it says that the people of Israel, did you notice it said they moved on by stages. They moved on by stages. Now that could mean, that could mean that they took their journey and that their journey itself was broken down uh, into stages. And in a sense it was that they moved from this point to this point and then from this point to this point and then from this point then to, to that point that they moved all together from one stage to the next until they reached their intended destination. Or it could mean that the multitude itself was broken down into stages and that they 
proceeded to their destination one stage after uh, another. That's, that's actually more likely, and in fact, in the book of Numbers, we read that um, Israel is organized this way, that they camp at a specific, wherever they stop, they camp at a specific location based on tribes, and so the tribes are arranged around the tabernacle, um, and then they set out from camp in a certain fashion, one tribe after another tribe. And in fact, that's probably what verse number one means when it says that they moved on by stages according to the commandment of the Lord. In other words, God said, here's how you do it. Here's how you're going to move from point A to point B. We're going to break you down. You're going to move in stages between point A and point B. But either way, but certainly by that method, Either way, as the people of Israel made progress through the wilderness, all of them, here's what I want you to see this morning, all of them would have been at different stages in the journey. They would have been at different places along the way uh, to, to Rephidim. Some would have, in this passage, some would have reached Rephidim while others were still in the wilderness of sin. And um, more would have been at different points along the route and along the journey on the way to, to Rephidim. So they're spread out in different places. And the problem that arises in this passage is, is a problem that is common in the desert, which is, which is basically what the word wilderness means a deserted place, a desert place, especially among so many people, 2.5, maybe 3 million people. The problem that arises is there's no water. They, they run. How many knows that's a significant problem if you've got a mass of 2.5 million people? So they run out of water. And indeed, we know that they faced this problem before, haven't they? And what did God do? God provided for them. God met their needs. He made sure that they had enough water. However, they had not yet learned to, to trust completely in God because once again, when they run out of water, when there is no water, what do they do? They begin to grumble and they begin to complain. And who do they grumble and they complain to? They grumble and they complain to Moses. Now notice, uh, notice this is very important uh, this morning. They are looking, the people, they have no water, and the people are looking to Moses, and they are expecting him to meet their needs rather than doing what? Rather than looking to God and expecting him to meet their needs. Now, that's, that's the key <laughs> to what, what happens next. The people are they're out of water, and all together they're looking at Moses and they're expecting Moses to do something about this problem. They're expecting Moses to meet their need rather than looking to God and expecting that God is going to meet their need. So the text implies that as they travel to Rephidim, there's no water at Rephidim when they arrive. However, there's, there's reason to believe that the problem is not just confined to Rephidim, that all of the people are, that there's no water for any of the people. In fact, if they're traveling in stages, 
Some, some have reached Rephidim already, but there's others who have not yet reached Rephidim. And, um, but the news, whether or not they've reached it, how many knows the news reaches them before they reach Rephidim? There's no water at Rephidim. Listen, I've, I've learned this. You probably have too. Good news travels fast, but bad news travels faster, doesn't it? <laughs> And so the bad news travels quickly. Back down the line, there's, hey, we've arrived at Rephidim, but guess what? There's no water in, in Rephidim. And so as the chorus of complaints grows, Moses cries out to God, what am, what am I going to do with these people? What do you want me to do with these people? And God gives him some instructions here that seems to indicate that he is among those who have not yet reached Rephidim. He's not there yet. God says to him, pass on before the people. In other words, you can't lead from behind. You can't lead even from the middle of the pack. God's telling him, get out in front of the people. Pass on in front of the people and take some of the elders with you. And just for a moment, I want you to imagine the complaints that Moses had to hear as he walks <laughs> through this mass uh, of people. Hey, Moses, have you heard? There's no water. What are you going to do? Why'd you bring us out here, Moses, to leave, leave us in the desert and let us die? What were you thinking? But so as he's traveling on through the mass of people, he's, he's hearing all of their complaints. And remember, again, this is key, remember their attention is on him. They're expecting him to do something about this problem. But when he reaches Rephidim, God directs him to a rock on Mount Horeb. And he says, now pay attention to this. He says to Moses, uh, go to the rock, stand there at the rock, take the, the staff that, that uh, you have. And he says, and I will stand before you there on the rock. So who's standing on the rock? God. God is on the rock. God tells Moses, then he says, take your staff, the one that you use to strike the Nile, and take the staff and strike the rock. And he said, and water will come out of it, and the people will be able to drink. And so we know that the rest of the story, Moses obeys, and the people are satisfied. Water comes out of the rock and the entire multitude of people are satisfied with water. Now, what, what happens... What happens, I want you to consider this this morning, what happens in that moment when Moses, uh, the object of the people, people's anger and the people's dissatisfaction, what happens in that moment when he stands and he strikes the rock upon which God himself is, is standing? Here's what happens. The attention of the people is redirected. The attention of the people is redirected off of Moses, away from man, and their attention is directed onto the rock, onto God, who is what? Smitten to satisfy their, their thirst. You see, the, the rock is a symbol for Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus identified himself as, as a rock, didn't he? 
And uh, Paul specifically references uh, this image in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I think it's a verse that I've read before in reference to some other thing that we've talked about already. But when Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud. And what he's talking about, what is he talking about? He's talking about the pillar of cloud that led uh, the Hebrews through the wilderness. So they were all under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. What is he talking about there? They all went through the Red Sea. They passed through uh, the Red Sea. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food. What is he talking about? He's talking about manna that God had already provided for them. And then he says, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. The rock was Christ. You see, the, the gospel is, is here for us to see in the book of Exodus, amen, only Jesus can satisfy your spiritual thirst. Only Jesus can meet your, your deepest needs. The prophet Isaiah said this about Jesus. He said he had no form or majesty that we would look on him, no beauty that we would desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was, he was crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Can you say hallelujah this morning? Thank God for what Jesus Christ has done for us. And here in the desert in front of their very eyes, God was smitten in, in front of the Hebrews and he satisfied their, their thirst. Nevertheless, Paul warns the Corinthians as he continues in that passage. Nevertheless, he said, with most of them, God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Why? Why were they overthrown? Um, why was God not pleased with them? Well, it was because they tested the Lord by asking and saying, is the Lord among us? Or not. You see, it was, their, it was their persistent unbelief that would eventually lead to their endless uh, wilderness wandering and that would eventually leave the bodies of that generation in the desert without inheriting the promised land. But I've got good news for you this morning. Because God's got a better plan for you and for me. Amen. God has a better plan for us. You see, they saw God. They were satisfied by him and yet they shrank back and did not believe. And because of that, they were destroyed. But here's what Hebrews chapter 10 verse 39 says. It says, but we 
are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. You see, God has a better plan uh, for you. I've learned something about life. You've learned this too. I've learned that life has different stages, doesn't it? And when you're following Jesus Christ, how many knows you go through different seasons? And they're not all alike. Some are happy and fruitful and prosperous seasons. Some are difficult and lean and, and dry. How many knows what I'm talking about this morning? And in between those moments, um, there are moments of excitement and enthusiasm. There are are moments of fear and suffering along with stretches of, well, sometimes it's just the same old, same old, isn't it? We all right this morning? Can I talk to you this bluntly and plainly? That's, we've all experienced that, haven't we? Going through life, there's different stages. There's different seasons in life. There's different moments. Sometimes you're up. Sometimes you're down. Sometimes God's, it seems God's blessing. Other times you're wondering, where's God? What's going on? Um, so we've all experienced that. We're all together this morning, but how many knows we're all in different places right now? Each one of us are maybe in a different place in, in our relationship with God, going through different things this, this morning. And here's, here's what's so important for us to understand this morning. Here's what I want to communicate to you today more than anything else. Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, God is with us through it all. God hasn't forgotten you. God, God hasn't left you wherever you're at whether you can see or experience it, whether it's a time of blessing and prosperity and goodness or whether it's a time of difficulty and stress and suffering, God is with you. I know that there's sometimes that you doubt that because, well, you get thirsty and you get tired, don't you? Walking along. Um, and you begin to wonder in those moments, where's God? And maybe you start to, to worry a little bit. Am I... Am I going to make it? Or am I, or am I going to die out here in the, in the wilderness? Well, I want you to know this morning that's, that's normal because that's part of the journey because I've been there before. Have you been there before? Yeah. I've been there before or somebody else. I may not have been exactly where you're at this morning. Because maybe you're at a place where you're experiencing some things that I've never experienced before. But I do know this, there's somebody that has been there before. And here's the good thing, here's the good news, you're going to make it. God's with you. God is there uh, with you. That's one of the beautiful things about being a part of the people of God, being part of a a local church, someone's been through what I'm going through right now, and, and they made it. I've, I've gone through what someone else maybe this morning is going through, and I'm here to tell you, I made it, and you can make it too, amen? And here's why, because God 
is with us. God is never doubt that. God is with us. I can tell you this morning, he is faithful. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. And don't put them on men. Don't put them on this world. Don't look for someone else to meet your needs. Look to Jesus Christ because his grace is sufficient. Amen. Can you imagine that after Moses hit that rock, smote that rock with his, can you imagine how much water had to gush out of that rock to satisfy 2.5 million people that had just trekked through a dry desert? That was a lot of water. Can you say amen? I'm telling you, we sang, Lena sang about it just a moment ago. I'm telling you, he is more than enough for whatever need you have this morning. I don't know what you're going through, but I know that Jesus Christ is more than enough, that his grace is sufficient for you. Are you, you here this morning? Are you dry and thirsty? Here's what Jesus said. Listen, here's what Jesus said in John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. Maybe you might even be able to quote some of these verses. Jesus, the Bible says that on the last day of the feast, on the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. <laughs> Hallelujah. And this is, what, this is what Jesus told the woman at the well. Do you remember that story? He said, woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Then, I like this part because I can imagine um, the scene. Then, pointing at the man-made well that she had been drawing from, Jesus said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Everybody who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. And then, pointing to himself, he says, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give to him will never be thirsty again. Because the water that I give to him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Don't rely on man-made wells. Get your eyes on Jesus Christ. Amen. And wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, his grace is sufficient. Mike, would you come to the piano this morning? Listen. You don't have to depend on man-made wells this morning. The things that we look for to keep us happy, I'm going to tell you this morning, you know this, those things will never satisfy you for very long. Oh, they might give you a short-term happiness or satisfaction, but Jesus said they'll wear out. It'll go away. You'll be thirsty. Uh, again, but we don't have to depend on man-made wells. If you'll keep your eyes on Jesus Christ, <laughs> if you'll put your hope and your trust in, in Jesus Christ, listen, in every place that you are, through every circumstance, he can satisfy your thirst. 
and he can keep you content and give you joy. You believe that? In Philippians chapter 4, Paul said, you remember this also. Philippians chapter 4, Paul said, I have learned in whatever situation I'm in, wherever I'm at, whatever stage I'm in, whatever season of life I'm going through, whatever's going on in my life, I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. Paul said, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in, ev- in any and every circumstance. He said, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. What's the secret? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, whatever situation you're in, whatever stage you're in, whatever season of life you find yourself in right now, His grace is sufficient. Amen. Jesus Christ is more than enough. Would you bow your heads this morning? Now listen, if you're here this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, this applies to you this morning as well. You may be at a at a good place where God is blessing, things are going well, and you may have convinced yourself, I don't need God. I'm doing all right on my own. Can I just tell you this morning a couple of things, friends? Number one, there's no guarantee that's going to last. Because the wells in this world, man-made wells, they give out, they dry up, they never satisfy for very long. There's no promise that that's going to last for very long. Besides that, if things are going good, your life is going well, you should drop to your knees and give God praise and give God thanks. Because God's word says this, it's God's loving kindness. It's because of his mercy that you're being blessed. And God's word says that it's God's loving kindness that ought to lead us to repentance. (laughs) Maybe you're at a place, friend, where things have dried up and you're wondering, I don't understand what's going on in my life. Can I tell you this this morning? God sometimes will dry up your wells to cause you to call out to him and seek his help. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, this is your opportunity to call on the name of the Lord, to take a drink. Don't rely on man-made wells because they'll give out, they'll dry up. Come to Jesus and you'll never thirst again. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.